I first played Earthbound when I was in second or third grade. I rented it from a business called Blockbuster. I remember the smell of the building's vestibule. I remember the size of the box on the shelf. I remember talking to someone about the game in middle school. It was in a room on the east side of the second floor, so I must have been in seventh or eighth grade. I remember admitting how much the zombies in the game had scared me. I remember trying to pass off my fear as a joke. I remember my friend Vivek giving me a copy of Earthbound for my birthday. We weren't the strongest of friends after we ended up in different middle schools, and I can't be sure how old I was for this birthday. Was it before or after the conversation in that room on the east side of the second floor? How far apart had Vivek and I grown by that point? And yet he still had some idea of how much that gift would mean to me. The past is slippery. It is unreliable. But we can grasp parts of it. We can understand, to some degree, how we got to be where we are. And this is the third strongest podcast. When we left our heroes, they had recruited Jeff. Jeff was now part of the team, and we were locked in a cave. Well, we don't have a key out of this cave, but we do have a machine that... I I guess I'm unclear on this. Is it just like a whole bunch of keys? Is it like a lockpick? Is it something? I think that there's art for it that shows it as like a tape measure with 50 keys sticking out of it. Hmm. Is it just like the keys at my last apartment that were often so worn down you could use them for different apartments? Oh, no. Mm. Because they'd been worn down over so long that they were kind of indistinguishable from each other. Um, well, Zach, you're trying to make a joke, but I think there is art for it. No, I know. I, I remember there being art for it. it. Yeah. A thing. So it's got a bunch of like okay. multi-purpose keys. Oh, it is a tape measure with a key ring built into it. And I kind of think from this art that someone must have actually made this object and taken a photo of it. Oh, that's cute. Um, yeah, hmm. that's awesome. Cool. Fantastic. Let's get out of here. So that's what the bad key machine is. Okay. I want to back up for a second because let's just keep in mind that what what happened here is the zombies caught Ness and Paula. And what they did with Ness and Paula is take them to a crypt and lock them in. Hmm. They didn't like kill them or eat their brains or anything. They're like, we've got to get these kids out of the way. Lock them in that crypt and then leave them alone. So these are not, these are, these zombies do not work like zombies that we're used to. Well, we don't know what they were going to do. It's funny if you think about it. Oh, that's true. They were preparing them. I guess if they know that um, Ness and Paula are part of the prophecy, then maybe they want to like let their boss see them or something. Hmm. Cool. Work that into the novelization <laughs> when you get to see things from the zombie's perspective. Okay. Anyway, yes, now you can continue the game. I will. Use the bad key machine. Use the bad key machine. Uh, we go back out into the, the reed 
and you kind of are left to wander again, which is the the modus operandi here. Uh, if you wander yeah. back to, what's the order of operations here? If you wander back to the Zombie Relief Corps tent, they will. There's a there's a pair of new guys there, uh, that get animation of running into the tent, which is cool. Uh, oh, including yeah. the my one of my favorite guys, who's the guy that abandoned his family. Um. <laughs> Because he's very insistent and will tell you that he only cares about himself just over and over again. And it's mm. very funny. Oh, yeah. Who is the same sprite as the guy um, who is like, he's sad that his wife, or he's glad that his, his wife came back and then he's glad that his wife left him again in Happy Happy Village. <laughs> yeah. It's a stock character in Earthbound of the old man who hates his family there's one in yeah. every town yeah uh, oh you can also go buy weapons for jeff now there's a guy here i don't think we talked about him before no uh who will admonish you to don't talk so loud <laughs> uh because he's got the illegal goods he's got the bottle rockets and bombs and guns for jeff whoa Although at this point they're like not the the escalation of Jeff's like ranged weaponry is pretty severe. You start uh, yeah, you start with a little cool. uh, pop gun and by the end of the game you're shooting giant lasers apparently. <laughs> pretty cool. Yes. Uh somewhere around here um, are must... we going to get a chance to talk about Jeff's um his power to fix things. We could do that this right now. That? Okay. Jeff has the power to fix things. When you stay tonight at the hotel, when you sleep, basically, um, he has a chance to fix any of the broken items that are in your inventory. That's based on his IQ value. Mm. Is, and is it anyone's inventory or is it just his inventory? I think it's just his inventory. It is just his assume. inventory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the IQ stat, I have been told that the IQ stat affects how much uh, PP, maximum PP uh, character gains when they level up. Hmm. Is that true? I think so. I mean, it must be true. Makes sense. It's such a weird thing. It's, Isn't that a weird type of stat to have? No, I mean, it's it's in place of, like, some other kind of magic growth stat in some other RPG, right? It's in place I of guess, the but... special attack stat in... Isn't there a special attack stat in Pokemon? There is a special attack stat, but that doesn't affect how much your other stats grow. Oh. Hmm. I don't know. This that doesn't affects seem... the damage that you deal with special attacks. This doesn't seem too out of place, I think but I can't think of specific stats in other RPGs because I'm usually not looking that hard at stats in RPGs. This is a case where because IQ enables you to get some real goodies, you do end up paying attention to the IQ. and be like, oh, I got an IQ, uh, what are they called? Capsule, capsule. And uh, you always give those to Jeff, right? Yeah. 
you gotta, but because he's the one where IQ actually, but like, think about this. You gain a level, your IQ goes up so that the next time you gain a level, your maximum PP can go up. You The rate at which your IQ goes up, I assume is fixed. Uh, unless you use IQ capsules on a person. Mm. And so an IQ capsule for anyone but Jeff represents this tiny amount of like moving the needle just barely to hopefully get more PP the next time that character levels up. It's the same with vitality. Vitality affects how much max HP you get when you level up, right? But it's not in any direct, like, understandable way, because no matter what your vitality is, sometimes you get zero max HP on level up, sometimes you get 20 max HP on level up. And so why the reason I'm insisting this is weird is because those stats, as much as you say what they do, seeing what they do is impossible. Mm Mm-hmm. They I, are weird. I, I truly don't think it's that weird. It feels like this is commonplace for there to be like stat gains are governed by, you know, hidden roles and those hidden roles can be influenced by other stats. You know, you have Pokemon has its own like was individual value and effort value stats that aren't surfaced. And I'm sure there are other RPGs that do similar. So I know it's a thing but... in other RPGs to like do you don't level up and gain wait. IVs when you level up. Okay, so? So it's... Zach, I'm not, I don't care how common it is. It's weird to have a stat that exists just to affect another stat. So that you grow a stat so you can grow a different stat. Hmm. Okay. I... I bet there are other examples of other RPGs that do this, but I just can't think of any. I don't so. care! Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird. Why two stats? I know. But I I, I kind of know why two stats. <laughs> because, well, the mechanical side of it is absurd. The, the effect, though, is you can you, you open up your status screen and you see that your character has all these cool stat names. And you're like, wow, this guy's IQ is this and this guy's IQ is this. And that looks cool. And that is a much bigger part of the experience for most players than the actual math Mm -hmm. under the hood. It is for me. I think it's fun that it's IQ. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you got to have IQ. You have to have some kind of some kind of smarts stat, right? I just like the idea that it's IQ, which is like a real life, like fake thing being applied (laughs) in an even faker way here. Um, that doesn't correspond at all. Guts. uh, But that's delightful. Guts is a cool thing to have. Guts Mm. is so cool. Um, Speed is normal. Is skill in there? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Like offense, Skill is guts. Yeah. But guts is great. I love guts. It's rad. Uh, anyway, so, but because Jeff can't grow his PP, then he uses his IQ to fix things instead, and 
it turns out the rules for fixing things are more complicated than you might think because they depend on whether you fixed something the previous time. Hmm. Sorry, that doesn't make any sense. But no, I, I don't I, know how else to put it. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Uh, it turns uh, not not very many of the fixing fixed items are all that great, which is really fun. No, it's not really fun, especially some of the early stuff. It's a huge convenient inconvenience. Um, <laughs> How many defense sprays and counter psychic units are you going to get? You know, you can't sell things that you fix, or you can't sell the at least the weapons that he makes out of broken things. And that means when you find a better weapon or you fix a better weapon. You have to call Escargo Express to mm. get the old weapon out of your inventory. Yup. Yep. 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 Hmm. Don't like that. Uh, there's a few. There's a few gems that we run into like later on. Some good stuff, but mostly it's a lot of junk. I think it's anyway, fun because so, you have okay. all these like mystery items, and you don't know what they're going to be. That's cool. It's like opening a present. Wow, how apt. <laughs> the aptest allegory. The aptest. Sorry, I'm distracted by some Apps? something else. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's go south. Uh, there's a new tent here that was not there before. In an area with a sign that says, yeah. do not pitch tents here. Am I wrong that the people running into the... Uh, relief core tent don't appear until after you've done this part yes you have to have um i saw them after i escaped with jeff basically hmm. okay they're in this this half of the experience all right but yeah so they're just talking about how we need to do something about the zombies but they're not really going to move the plot forward right now. What's going to move the plot forward is checking out this weird tent that has been erected in a place where tents are not allowed. And... Well, it, um, it, it attacks you. It is, yeah, you try to enter it and a face appears on it and you fight the tent. So scary. Fight, uh, now, as a kid... This battle where the boogie tent shows up on the screen as just a face. I really saw that as, well, I'm battling a face. Um, like a floating abstract face. Huh. Playing it this time around, I finally saw it as this is the the way that they are able to portray fighting a tent with a face on it they just aren't showing you the whole tent because like a sprite of a tent with a face on it wouldn't look as cool mm. does that make sense yeah and i felt like the background the battle background that's shifting around matched at least to enough extent uh what the tent yeah yeah like. yeah mm -hmm. and so you get this really cool so abstracted cool. version of it which is a uh, way more effective than it had just been somebody just put that sprite the big tent sprite into the battle it's good. I didn't want to say abstracted because I just said abstracted, <laughs> but it's abstracted in a different way than I thought it was. A cooler way. Yeah. We're getting abstract this episode, folks. <laughs> the boogie tent is... It's also called the boogie tent, so, which is really yes. cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? 
it um I think it has killed me at least once. It seems like it shouldn't be a tough fight because you just got Jeff and they should go easy on you for like one second, but they don't. And it's possibly what you're supposed to do is waste his big bottle rocket. Oh, but Mm. I already used that. (laughs) What am I going to do? Oh, yeah, you used it way earlier. Yeah, I'm saving it. Well, good job. Uh, th- this time around, this guy wasn't too bad. Okay. He can do some stuff that we'll talk about in a second. Um, because you beat him, what? and he's gone, and the tent vanishes. Oh, yeah. And in, this, Goodbye, in tent. the tent's place are a pair of zombies in a trash can, and the zombies, uh, don't want to pick that fight, so they run. It's, it's, like, I'm able to see now what they must have wanted to do with this scene, Imagining you fight the tent and then the tent like blows away Mm. or falls down and then you reveal what was under the tent like in the wreckage of the tent are the zombies hanging around this trash can or some container and then the zombies have to run away but they weren't able to do that kind of FMV with this and so you get a really you might say abstracted form of that scene. That's still effective. Yeah. But what's in this, uh, what's in the trash can? Jar of fly honey. Okay, back up. (laughs) What? (laughs) There's a guy who tells you to expect this, isn't there? There's a guy in town who tells you about the fly honey, so you know what to do with it. And Uh, I think it's the guy right next to this. Uh, who's like hanging out by the Threed sign who says that he's a double agent or he's uh, his, yeah. he's a traitor who's working with the zombies. And he's he explains that Master Belch... You're, <laughs> you're not trouble. Because why? You, you're oh, just okay. passing through. <laughs> right. Uh, Master Belch loves fly honey. Okay. Bees make... Bee honey and flies make fly honey. That's how it's explained, right? Yeah, that's really funny. And it's funny enough that you don't immediately realize how gross an idea it is. (laughs) I think when I was younger, I was just like, this is terrifying and gross. But now I've grown up enough that I just find it funny. (laughs) Okay. Um. I wonder if, what like, what's idea? the description of the fly honey? I think the the item description just talks about how much Master Belch likes it. Mm. Useful. Um, however, it smells... Uh, jar fly honey. Belch is most favorite food in the whole world. However, it smells really, really nasty. We're talking major stinkage here. <laughs> Thanks, Clarissa. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that is, it's important to point out that it is disgusting because it 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 can come off as merely absurd. Yeah, we're about to hit uh, like a run of like real gross out humor stuff, and this is like yes. an aspect of that. This is a, a piece of that. Yeah. Like what's the what's what's a gross thing that a bad guy could like? What if it was like honey but gross? 
There's a fly theme happening too. Yeah, we've got flies in the graveyard. Flies are attracted, of course, to corpses, Mm -hmm. which is what zombies are. And garbage, which is all over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I never thought about how the the flies and the garbage-themed enemies are establishing a, like, yeah, that grossness to (laughs) Threed because the focus is on the supernatural spookiness but there's definitely a stinkiness to the whole town that never really occurred to me before yeah i wonder if it's like kind of taking uh taking away from the horror of it a little bit making it a little funnier than just like zombies which are scary could be yeah speaking of zombies uh now that you've done this you get to wander around again (laughs) classic threed yeah if you wander uh, like north of the tent is where this always seems to happen to me you get a phone call i assume that it's just on a timer it must be but i feel like i'm always around the same spot when this happens mm. but maybe that's just because i always go back there to the tent well yeah where are you gonna go <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh apple kid calls you remember him yeah well, He's kind of my sidekick yeah. that is never around. Well, he came up with a brilliant invention that has a very limited use case, and he's going to send it to you anyways, despite not really knowing what's going on with you, uh, which is a thing the he, invention he likes to do. is, wait a second, the invention is zombie paper, which is an analog to fly paper. Yeah. And fly honey is an analog to bee honey. So there is some real thematic twistiness going on in this town, huh? Yeah. Fly, bee, garbage, corpse. Some real free association (laughs) going on. (laughs) Bee, garbage, corpse. So he says, yeah, I've never seen a zombie before, but this will work on zombies somehow. I just know this because I'm a genius. Uh, And then he says, I need to send it to you. So I just told the pizza guy to bring it to you. Um, And just leaves it at that. And you get a very, very cute scene where immediately afterwards, the pizza delivery guy shows up. Who I don't know if we've met on this podcast yet, but he's a very cute little... Corpse. He looks like he belongs. Have on the you pizza ordered box. anything from Mock Pizza at this point? Do you take advantage of Mock Pizza? I haven't. <laughs> Not this playthrough. Um. No. Well, and for some reason, my memory is that when you do order from Mock Pizza, the delivery person is not this top hat, you know mustache pizza box guy that is just a person in a cap but maybe i must be thinking of escargot express i was wondering about that too actually i didn't know if it was always the same delivery person because i didn't really pay attention and i don't order from there very often yeah i think some playthroughs i would get the large pizzas because they're good group heal items but Mm. i probably will not do that this time unless i decide to test this theory and order like 10 pizzas in a row and see who shows up that could be a fun podcast (laughs) i think it'd be a really dull podcast but 
we could do it. Um, yeah, no, okay, the pizza guy shows up and he has a really great scene where he walks up to you and he says, here's the deal. Apple Kid handed me this zombie paper stuff and told me to go find Ness and Threed. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is say that you are clearly Ness and I'm just going to give this to you. Don't tell me who you actually are. I don't care. But you're Ness. Here, Ness, I'm giving you this, like Apple Kid said. Now I've done my part in this and I'm going to leave. Very, very good. Yeah. It's 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 a very good bit. Uh, I like the idea of asking the pizza guy to deliver something for you. And, um, and yeah. him just like... Because only, like, somehow the it, it's known that the pizza guy can get anywhere is part of the joke here. Yeah, and all Apple Kid said was, there's a kid walking around Threed. Yeah, but it works out because the plot has to make it work out. Right. It's good. I mean, this is a very convenient time to invent zombie paper as well. So what I'm going to do is um, I think that like Apple Kid tells you that you would need to spread it around some big area like a tent maybe. Yes. Yes. They really spell it out for you. They really spell it out for you. Let's uh, let's look at the the series of events in Threed, because we've noticed that a lot of the tasks in Threed involve moving around aimlessly, um, getting noticed by zombies in a way that doesn't seem like it would move the plot along, um, getting caught by zombies in a way that doesn't seem like it would move the plot along. Uh, just like you advance the plot by just walking for a while after you beat the zombie or the boogie tent. There's a lot of these, like, I think, uh, the people who complain about lack of direction in this section are, uh, absolutely right to, because it's, it's, it's kind of bad design to, not give the player anything specific to do and just rely on them to wander randomly into the next part of the story. It does. I I, want to think about how deliberate that is to the creation of a, you know, a mood, a, uh, grim or, uh, what's the word? A mood of dread where, you're you're feeling dread because you don't know what you're supposed to do next Mm. um there's a sense of hopelessness a little bit yeah indeed uh i think it's very intentional and and i don't yeah go ahead yeah uh but in this moment uh you get these you know story beat story beat story beat happen to you very fast and telling you exactly what to do next and relieving a ton of tension from everything that's happened so far in three. So pretty cool, Mm -hmm. if frustrating in the moment. Yeah, I think it's intentional. And I think that it represents just a different mode the game is operating in, where I've played other old RPGs that kind of do this, where it's like, okay, we're going to hands off and let the player kind of 
grope around in the dark and figure out what they need to do next. Um, and it can be frustrating sometimes, but it does, that frustration can be a little intentional. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of intentional with a horror theme, too. To make people... I think so, too. Because you keep running into these enemies, too, if you don't know where you're going. Um, And if it is scary to you, if you're a little kid, or if you don't like zombies, (laughs) then you do have to, like, encounter these enemies. We'll get to... Well, we'll get to something about being scared momentarily. What I'm going to do at this point is I'm going to use the zombie paper in the tent. There's a pretty cool bit here insofar as the zombie relief corps people in the tent have, like, (laughs) before you use the zombie paper, they're all telling you, use the zombie paper. Hey, will that zombie paper really work? (laughs) (laughs) Um. You haven't had a chance to explain the situation to them, but they just know what's going on. And then once you use that item in that place, all their dialogue changes mm-hmm, to say, mm-hmm. oh, well, I hope the zombie paper works. Let's just wait for the zombie paper to work. Mm-hmm. All we can do now is wait. We'll just go to bed. And then in the morning, this place will be covered in zombies. I hope someone invents pretty girl paper. <laughs> yeah. And then he immediately regrets that joke. And he's like, that was that then, was not a good thing to say. I apologize. It's very good. I think he's the same guy that also you, says that zombie paper, zombie paper is a stupid product name. How can he possibly have that many different things to say? I think that's his before and after. I think those, that's that same guy. Oh, okay. The sunglasses guy. But then he doesn't say, he doesn't apologize for his comment until, like, you get back. Oh, no, he does that in the same, the in the same breath, where he's like, ah, No ha, way. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it, that's. Okay. He says it and then immediately Oops, regrets that, yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. He's like, that wasn't a nice thing to say. Huh. I'm sorry. So that makes it uh, okay. Well, he can't go back in time and change what he said. <laughs> Well, we should sleep. The We should sleep. And we get Sorry, it. I'm seeing all the this other stuff in the cup <laughs> stuff now. Hey, <laughs> go to sleep, and then... We get a cutscene! Uh, there's a cutscene while you sleep, which never happens. And all the zombies and in Greed wander to the tent, including very specifically the two that were blocking the path to the underground they... passage. Finally. Then you wake up, and of course, before you go to the underground passage, it's important to go back into the tent. The zombie relief corps are standing outside it, being disgusted by what's inside. Uh And you go inside, and you get to talk to all the zombies. Again, these are zombies that talk. And they all are uh, understandably ticked that you have done this to them. And they like to swear revenge, or they like to tell you that something bad will happen to you because of this or some of them are not talking they're just dead zombies and that's scary and gross yeah this really yeah. scared me when i was little <laughs> even they're all quipping i was just like i don't want to walk in there right you're the enemy of all zombies now yeah yeah i like the zombie relief core guy who says that he was able to arrest many zombies because of your help (laughs) (laughs) the idea of arresting a zombie is very cute 
Oh, yeah, that guy who kept saying he was so scared, but he wasn't leaving the tent. But he and Then he's in, at this point, he says, I wonder if those zombies could still get me uh, about the zombies that are right there. Like, he's, he just is not willing to leave this tent, even though he's scared. Again, he's still not willing oh. to. Huh. Yeah, well, the human brain is a conundrum. <laughs> I feel like it's a joke. Like, he could totally leave if he wanted to. Yes, he could. Well, where... And, you know, there's a certain amount of humanization that happens to the zombies. Um, doesn't one of them, like, seeing them suffer like this. Mm. Uh, could you help me? Maybe not. Uh, you know, there's... If I try to get away, my body will just fall apart. It's because I'm a zombie. <laughs> yeah. Like, you... <laughs> You are forced to contend with, even though these are zombies, they're the kind of zombies that are kind of have feelings, and maybe we should feel bad about dooming them in this way. Uh, mm -hmm. But not too bad, because we have a job to do. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> they're just but, going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now, we are free to get out of Threed. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, we get to go through a very creepy, scary, and terrifying tunnel. Dude. Dude. This is where the game ended for me in, I think, eighth grade. Wow. I could not deal. Or, like... <laughs> I remember talking to someone about this in eighth grade, but it was before I owned the... What? Oh, my gosh. I don't remember at all. Was it eighth grade? Uh, geez, I should have done more research before this podcast. Anyway, at some point in my life, when I was renting the game, I think, I would not go through this entire tunnel. I was like, no thank you, end of game. <laughs> well, it's been a pretty good game. Yeah. And this has been a fun enough podcast, but I will... We're going to do a, a, a Link Between Worlds podcast next. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. So, it's also it's, it's, oh, the the uh, instead of present boxes in this cave, there are coffins. Terrifying. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, and you don't know the what music they, is. You don't know scary. their presence. You think <laughs> there might be like dead bodies inside. Mm hmm. But there aren't. Oh, good. This is just a pretty challenging little uh, dungeon where yeah. the monster spawns can be really, really aggressive. You're fighting, like, lots of zombies and zombie dogs and the, the ghost guys. Mm. Uh, and often in, like, really, like, significant numbers. Yeah. And if you get through all of that, there's a pretty tough boss here at the end. Definitely. Jeez. Uh, I don't I remember hate this dungeon. <laughs> this is the. This is not. This isn't slime. This is mini, mini, mini barf. Is this yeah. his name? Mm hmm. Who says, Gork, Gork, which is his onomatopoeia. Um, <laughs> he surmises what's going on pretty quick that you're not 
supposed to be in this tunnel and that uh, he needs to stop you. Um, he's got a ton of hit points, but his greatest power is that he can emit a stinky gas, which causes everybody to cry. Yes. Which is your your uh, horrible loss of accuracy status effect mm. that even affects Jeff. So your 100% hit rate is now a much lower than 100% hit rate. Somewhere around 0%. It feels like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, on this playthrough, uh, he did not use the stinky gas before I took him out. So wow. I was feeling, feeling pretty good about wow. that. Wow. Feeling pretty lucky. This battle seems very visceral. It feels like <laughs> real because of all the, the, the attacks and the stats and the... The, the the crying. <laughs> Lots of crying. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, something that you don't really think about maybe until you've made games is how it can be very difficult to get a theme across when there are random elements. Hmm. Because if this guy has, you know, four attacks and one of them is a highly thematic stinky odor that sets the tone for the battle and the other attacks are just biting you or punching you, then the odds you get increasing or you, you there's a very big chance, depending on how you set the numbers, that the player just won't see the part that you put in there to be the theme mm. to tell this story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you're right. This battle does a really good job of having a tone and a story, even though there are, you know, it's random whether he'll use the uh, stinky breath attack. I don't know. Hmm. I I don't have. I, I I want the listeners to think about that and how, um, how randomness can affect video game storytelling. Are you thinking about it? Thank you. <laughs> so after you beat Mini Barf, he's like, "Well, I was really hoping I could beat you and take your fly honey because me and Master Belch love fly honey." And then he dies. Probably. Sad final words. Uh, You emerge into the light and you're by a river, which is being fed by a waterfall that we're not going to get to just yet. Uh, There's a man here. And there's a guy. To sell you stuff. This guy. This This guy messes with my head this is just an rpg character that's emerged in this game that is an rpg but doesn't usually have a lot of rpg characters Hmm. you know what i mean Uh, yeah when we were saying in earlier episodes how everyone in this game has a function like a interior life beyond functioning mechanically to give you clues or stuff uh this guy arguably does not he exists to sell you food so that you can recover your health after your Tough, tough trip through the uh, crypts, the catacombs. And he kind of tells you that there's a strange town up ahead, uh, which is useful storytelling information. Mm-hmm. 
and he will never be seen again. So I don't know the little and like the selection of stuff that he sells. He sells like a protein bar, a protein bar or a cup of coffee and like one other thing. Like beef jerky, I think. Hmm. I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really interesting selection. <laughs> yeah. I love this guy. It's, He's so mysterious yeah. and weird. There's artificiality here that sets it apart from much of the rest of the game, which then wraps it back into like fitting in the game because every other like NPC in the game has some kind of role, and his role is to be artificial. Wow. It's cool. Yeah. That's true. Uh, There's a lot of very convenient things in this game. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the hydrodynamics of this area are good and sound, <laughs> where <laughs> we are vaguely south of where Peaceful Rest Valley is, kind of. Mm. So, like, the water would continue to flow down oh. this way. Hmm. You think that's the same river? I think it's the same river. I know if you look at the big, like, full map of the game as it exists in the files, it doesn't line up exactly, but it lines up close enough that I'm like, that's probably what they were going for. I never thought about that, but it could definitely be what they were going for. Uh, We gotta go pass a bunch of really hard enemies again. Alligators, <laughs> man. Yeah, the al the enemies here all suck. Um, I don't like the farm zombies because I thought I was done with zombies. Seriously. And uh, the armored frogs are cute but inconvenient, mm. and the alligators are too tough. Where are these farm zombies and coming the from? The red antoids. Their farm. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, I I think. They're supposed that they might be better translated as rural zombies. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. They're outside of the, zombies. they're on the outskirts. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. They're not in, <laughs> in town. Um, there's like, there's like two competing zombie high schools. Uh. <laughs> oh. And uh, the, the ones out here in the country don't look too kindly on the city slicker zombies. Interesting Maybe. theory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I want to go past all these enemies because I want to get to the next place. Yeah. Oh, except okay. there's another enemy. Let's before go into we get that. there. <laughs> well, we go into a cave. Is that we? The, the yeah. Enemy in the cave. We go in the cave, and this cave has a roach problem. Oh uh, yeah. Now you don't think that this game has like set spawns, but there's always a roach in here. Yeah. Yeah. Also cool about this cave is the music oh the best it's weird it's a little bit different than the normal cave music right yeah something else going there's on. something kind of underneath my normal like well we'll talk about the cave music on a different episode but there's something else here but i'm sure it will all become clear when i come out on the other side of the cave everything will be Explain. I'm sure there's a perfectly logical explanation. <laughs> uh, you get through the cave, and that music is just now playing. That's the actual music for this area. The music for this area is so powerful, it overwrote the cave music. And we're here. So good. Finally, uh, in Saturn Valley. Hooray! In the main part of the game, this is this is the game. <laughs> <laughs> the game this begins. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, I don't know. It's a town of weird little nosemen who talk in a funny font. <laughs> nosemen. And their architecture doesn't make sense and everything is just extremely goofy. They're all named Mr. Saturn. And this is Saturn Valley where we are all Mr. Saturn. That's the best. The, you know, we the, don't need to explain this to anyone listening to the episode. Do we? We don't. If you know one thing about Earthbound, this is the thing. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Saturn is in Smash Brothers. Indeed. Uh, uh, people might not know that Mr. Saturn has a bizarre font. The font stuff is cool. I was just reading up yeah. on it again because I had I had to go refresh myself on it. Um, in Japanese, I'm, I'm going to talk about the Japanese because it's important. To, I, I need to compare and contrast here, Ryan. If that's You're okay. cleared to talk about Japanese. Okay. Uh, Earthbound, the game in Japanese, is all hiragana except for a couple spots that aren't, which is like to say it's the phonetic alphabet, uh, which is easier and more approachable for you know people who are learning that alphabet, le- learning Japanese. Um, the Mr. Saturn font is specifically in in Japan. The Mr. Saturn font is meant to replicate the what Etoy's daughter's writing looked like at the time wow. of the game, like a ah. child's kind of grasping at writing for the first time. You know, huh? Um, and then so. It's like, well, how do you localize that? And what they arrived on was, let's just make the goofiest, silliest looking <laughs> font we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, yeah, I'm seeing it in Japanese, and of course, to my American eyes, it it really just looks like a less graceful form of the same font. Like, these lines are too long, and or some angles are too close together, but that's about all you could say about it. Um, yeah it's not <laughs> i i i would believe that the the uh the dis- difference between fonts in the english version is much greater yeah yeah that uh, looks right and like it wouldn't have gotten the point across had they just tried to do like a chicken scratch english font right that might not it might not have got yeah. the point across for what they were trying to accomplish so instead they make i don't know how to this is a problem where I know the Mr. Saturn script like so innately now that I can't I'm having difficulty describing it because <laughs> I know all the word I know all the letters. It has a bunch like. of goofy curly cues um, and uh, letters are curved that aren't supposed to be curved. Um, letters are extended longer than they're supposed to be or shorter than they're supposed to be. Um and uh yeah there there are um like look at the h the sides of the h are not parallel Mm. and maybe that's a important thing is that there are no parallel lines except in the z but when are you going to see the z uh often because they also say (laughs) they also say a lot of like uh their speech is written out very like haphazardly and like backward talking um and they also just throw in a lot of like sound effects into their voice so you get a lot of zoom and boing and ding zoom boing dakota <laughs> i think um yeah dakota one of them says dakota one of them does say mm-hmm. dakota this is true 
and possibly that other one at after you solve the problem here or something changes his dialogue to Chattanooga. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. That's in the text dump right under Dakota, so I can only guess. Hmm. So yeah, they did a good job of like how do we get the in the like the tone of what these creatures are through with a unique script um without just like doing it lazy. They really they really went all out with this. Yeah. Uh, understanding that it's this is a very wonderful. important it's part beautiful. of the game. Uh and it uh Indeed. shows. It rocks. It's great. Yeah. And now you know who that person was in in the in the house that wouldn't come out back in uh hey. Happy Abbey Village. Is that where it was? Yes. Yeah. Uh if uh, uh Wikibound is to be believed if you go beat the sanctuary location here you can then go back and walk in there and talk to the oh. guy. It has to be the sanctuary location. That is what Wikibound says. I've not tested the person. The Wikibound editor didn't check. Uh, didn't like leave Saturn Valley before getting Milky Well, and then check uh, Happy Happy Village, and then go back and finish Milky Well. They and might check have, again. They but might. That's have. what I'm going to do. Okay. Wait, you can't. Wait. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you okay. can. Uh, the, Good, okay. because I have to. Uh, the Mr. Saturns themselves are cool little guys that are just happy that you're here. They offer complimentary services like a hotel where there's no bed. There's kind of just like a half of a sofa sticking out of a <laughs> table. Yeah, it's confusing. Uh, there is Dr. Saturn is here. who's It lives in a trash can like Oscar the Grouch. The one Mr. Saturn who isn't Mr. Yeah, the doctor. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> Uh, they have a shop with a lot of really good items. Yeah, they have. They sell red ribbons, so you can look like them. That's true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course, they sell red ribbons. They sell peanut cheese bars, mm. which are like yeah, money to healing ratio, extremely good. Like far and beyond everything else you're going to get at this level. And I've I've always thought that. There must be a way of making a peanut cheese bar in real life that wouldn't be disgusting. Sure, yeah. I feel like we... I know that there have been attempts made, and I guess I don't know how good those attempts were. But I suspect that the book has not been closed on the real-life peanut cheese bar recipe. Unless that book is the actual cookbook that Fangamer was selling a while back. Oh, I bet that's in there. There are recipes from this game? Yeah. Okay. Well, you want a peanut cheese bar, you want a protein bar, you want uh, crack and fin soup, you want... I want a mammoth burger. Uh, Mammoth burger, please. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good to know. And a cup of life noodles for when you're feeling really bad. Mm, Yeah. That would help. Like dead. Huh. But they're all here, the Mr. Saturns. The, uh, yeah. Um, but they're lovely. a little sad. Oh, wait, they're not all here. They're they're a little yeah. sad, because not all of them are here. Uh, if you can, like, parse through their weird speech, you can find out that uh, many of them have been kidnapped. That's, yes. that's, that's horrible. They've been taken behind the waterfall. Yeah, 
and uh, there's kind of a strange puzzle. Like it's well, it's a classic RPG talk to everyone puzzle. Uh, because you have to, I'm not sure if you literally have to talk to every single Mr. Saturn or if you just have to talk to this one who, again, looks like all the others and is in a room with two others where you'd be forgiven for getting them mixed up. Uh-huh. But one particular Mr. Saturn is able to tell you what you need to do next. It's At pretty incredible. The waterfall, Grapefruit Falls, you need to, well, let's, let's uh, say exactly what uh this guy says base secret base behind grapefruit falls password i tell belchman say say password then stand still wait for three minutes and that tone tells you that this is significant information as opposed to some of the bonkers nonsense that the others are saying yeah that tone the pay attention tone. I, geez, that's a, such a good way. I used to like call it in my head the mystery music sting or yeah. something, yeah. but it really is like significance alert. Yeah. I mean, this sounds fake. <laughs> it doesn't sound like yes. a real password. Especially in context. Yeah. All when these... everything else these guys yeah. say is just... Yeah. But it's not but fake. But if the tone is saying so then I guess I should take it seriously. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Well, we got to go behind a waterfall because it's an RPG and I want to go behind that waterfall. Oh, absolutely. Did we know that back then? What, that... Um, That there's always something behind a waterfall? Was this on trend? I think the smarter ones among us knew that. What's the first video game that exists that you could go behind a waterfall? Is it Legend of Zelda? It's got to be like a wizardry or something, right? Like some mm, old yeah. computer RPG. Probably, Probably yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, behind this waterfall, but there's a little spot you can walk. And if you get far enough, you get a text box. And it says, say the password.
and three minutes later, you get a message saying, okay, yeah, you can go in now, it's fine. Yeah, that was the password to wait three minutes, and come on. It's so good! This is the best awesome. game. <laughs> Who does this? Un- undefeated! <laughs> <laughs> This is the biggest, um, smartest idea anybody's ever did in a video game. Yeah. You ha- oh. Making kids wait three minutes. That's hard. It's so good. <laughs> Man. And the three minutes is a very well-chosen period of time. Yeah. If you make this five minutes, the game sucks. <laughs> right. And if it's 30 seconds... If you make it one minute, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. not... It's... Pff, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, three, three minutes, minutes is, is exactly. perfect to sit there wondering if it's really going to work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just I mean, the- it's funny enough to us knowing that it works. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I cannot talk this up enough. This is just so smart. You have to try it's it because best. you don't know what else to do. If you're not sure, you yeah. got to try it's great. Um, uh, listener Jason McIntosh pointed out that uh, you have a similar thing in Braid. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Uh, I think there's a level in Braid where you just have to wait for the level to solve itself, basically. there. If, if, if I remember correctly, and I'm remembering the thing that Jason was talking about, um there is it's not a level exactly but it's one of the stars that are like secret like optional content and it's uh it's a platform that unlike other platforms in the game is moving backwards like from right to left across the screen at an incredibly slow rate and you just need to wait for it to move all the way to the beginning of the level basically so you can jump up to like some platform before the beginning of the level something like that mm-hmm. so it's not the kind of thing where the game says don't do don't it tells you not to do anything and then waits for you to not do anything you kind of have to figure it out for yourself or read a guide and it's not critical path hmm. yeah the game telling you but there might be something else in earthbound yeah. it makes this makes this work yeah yeah it's this is the game saying do you trust me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh man this is a good video game to talk about <laughs> yeah i like this video game it's really good inside the base the you find out that behind the uh the the base that they were talking about is a big factory yeah and it's like we'd never or I never thought about how the factory, the archetype factory is used as a place of fear, as a, a dungeon location in this game until you pointed it out when talking about Earthbound Zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like that is saying something about what are the scary, dangerous places in 90s America what is the equivalent of a dungeon, a prison, a torture chamber? It's this, uh, you know, dehumanizing automated place where uh, humans, or in this case, little nosemen, 
are forced to act as machines to can many, many, many jars, jar or can, many, many containers of fly honey. It's a big fly honey factory, apparently. I think think canning, it's still canning if you're putting it in a jar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that revelation is a little bit jarring to me, but we can move on. (laughs) Oh, Uh, we got another dungeon on our hands. There's, uh, it's pretty linear with some little side paths to go find some items. Yeah. Uh, we get more of the little mini barf guys. Uh, there are zombies here again. Very consistent through through this whole chapter. Uh, my guys are here. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> missed or before we get to your guys, Zach. Okay. We missed the part where. Zombies were talking about how like, someone in three had overheard some zombies saying, Master Belch will give us our lives back. Wow. Right? Something like that. So I I I just wanna present more evidence for this idea of like this treatment of zombies where they are kind of human and have uh, relatable desires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're and, a group of people and they're aligned with master belch yeah they're they're people who are working for master belch exactly whoever or whatever that is and also your guys are here zach my guys are here uh the the humble foppy it's just it you can just make Which a character that's a, a little oval. first you draw a circle and then you put two circles on its feet and then you dot the, the put two dots for eyes and you paint it red and that's a guy yep that's my so guy. This, that's a guy. This is the fr- is this the first time that I mean I feel like I was like what is this? Everything else that you're fighting, it's like a violent roach. Yeah, I know what that is. Or a excellent point. New age retro hippie. I can figure that one out. But this one is a little bit mysterious. No, you're right. This this has no analog in the real world. Yep. And the name Foppy <laughs> isn't going to give you any clues. Yeah. Yep. Big mystery. They just put a little guy. And they're another uh, another very lucrative uh, XP uh, farming enemy mm. in the type that exists in this game. Because they especially if much. you can get one of them on, like, kind of pick them off one by one, they're um, weak enough that you can auto defeat one if you manage to lead it away from the pack. But maybe you have to be a very very high skill level to manage that sort of thing. I mean, or you can just go for I, big groups and just wear them down with group attack psychic powers. That's true. Yeah. I was going to say I don't want to waste my psychic powers uh, or my PPs, but there is a uh, break room in this dungeon with a, uh, a respawning magic butterfly that I can use to restore my PP and get back up to health after I've used PK fire on all those foppies. Thank you. Yeah. Is it right that foppies are in fact weak to PSI fire? They're vulnerable to it. I don't think they're weak. Well, I mean, that's what I mean that like, if you spy on it, it says vulnerable to PSI fire. Those are different things. I don't think they're vulnerable. I think they just, it doesn't, they're not, they're not strong to it. All right. Uh, there, 
it, fire is the correct thing to use against them, though, because they show up in big rows. Yes, they do. They line up for you. Yeah. The, you know, if you're if you think there isn't a lot of strategy or tactics to combat in Earthbound, consider how much you have to think about um, the arrangement of enemies on the screen and whether they're in rows or not. That's basically the only question you have to ask <laughs> is who's in the same row. Is this a good time to use PSI fire? But still. Yep. Uh, yeah, these guys are easy, but there's other. I I have a note here and I forgot about until I was reading my notes just now that I, at one point here, I got really close to the end of this dungeon and then got in a fight with some slimes where they kept calling for reinforcements. Oof. And so I had mm. like, I think Jeff died. And then in that fight, Ness got homesick. Aww. So I ended up having yeah. to leave uh, the entire dungeon and run back to Saturn Valley. Um, if you leave, Jeez. Belch taunts you. Um, Wait, how? Where? What? If you if you walk out, you get a text box that it belt. You get the Belch sound effect, and he says, "When you, you never or no, when you come back, that's what it is. When you come back, if you leave and come back." belch taunts you when you walk as back you, in. like as you enter the okay as, okay. as you enter like you, instead of being asked to give the password yes okay hmm. and uh you get the belch sound effect and he says you never give up do you huh i guess just so we don't have to wait three minutes again yeah yeah but that's uh, intimidating I, that had never happened before i was like oh huh. the game the game thought of this yeah uh zach your notes are uh deficient the line is, you never give up, do you? If you don't mind taking it in the shorts, go on in. <laughs> I I never said that I was going to write down full quotes. Well, that well, is you an gotta important addition. Add when they talk about taking it in the shorts. This <laughs> yes. is supposed to be a good podcast. We can't <laughs> leave details like that. All out. right, all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the uh, slimy little piles that you battle here are tough. And um, I don't know. I feel like Dungeons and Dragons has very specific rules for if X summons Y, then Y can't summon Z. Earthbound does not obey these rules. And so you can get horrible chains of or, or enemies calling in other enemies mm -hmm. until you just die. Yep. Uh, did we mention that well, there's a bunch of enslaved Mr. Saturns at a uh, conveyor belt? Like uh, a, a good... It's horrible. They've got like those poor guys. Ball and chain on his little foot. And they have great uh, attitudes about it, though. They're like, oh, phew. Oh, great. You're here. Thank goodness. Wonderful. <laughs> You can never get a Mr. Saturn down. That's why they make such good role models. That's why they're in this game, is to teach you. Hmm. And we get all the way to the back, and we get to fight a boss, kind of. Uh, Master Belch is uh, here. Master freaking Belch. Uh, Master Belch has a specific burping sound effect. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, yeah. We've just heard a lot about this guy. That's all I was going to say. We have heard a lot about this guy. The game has been talking this guy up for a while now. Uh, the game is People very... People have postulated that he must be really pukey. Mm-hmm. 
and they're not wrong. Like that. Checks out. <laughs> the game is very proud of the burp sound effect that they put in. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's a pretty gross. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, they do a great job. And the the one thing I want to say, or that like in retrospect, I think it might be more effective if there weren't all these smaller piles of puke that fight you first. And then you find out that the boss of like the boss of this dungeon is a literal pile of puke, a huge pile of puke. Wouldn't that be more effective if there weren't like seven or 10 smaller piles of puke before that? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. Maybe, but I like the idea that they needed like middle managers because it is a factory. (laughs) That is good. Although I'll tell you what I'll do in my ROM hack. Make those middle managers into zombies. Wow. Oh, zombie middle management? Interesting. Zombies possibly with like fast food visors or something Uh like that. Okay, I'm in. To show that they're, yeah. And they're talking about, and maybe they also love fly honey. So they can mention that Master Belch loves fly honey even more. But this way, you're, uh, you're, you're, implying that master belge must be like the meanest zombie and then you find out that he's a pile of puke okay that's good you're welcome but no we have to analyze the game that actually exists in which he's a he's a big mean pile of puke and he like is reveling in how uncomfortable this battle will be for you he says suffer spanky so mean. Uh, wait, uh, no, he doesn't say that until afterward. Um, uh, there's a prophecy that a boy will destroy Master Gygus. Heeg, heeg, heeg. You make me <laughs> laugh so hard. If Master Gygus is scared of someone, he would have to be worse than the greatest evil. evil. Garg, ga, garg, ga, ga, ga. I'll take you time. I'll take you down big time. So get ready for the worst fight of your life. Hmm. Um, and then you fight him. And he's going to be very tough. He's the meanest, stinkiest, pukiest guy. I don't know how you could possibly hope to defeat him. <clears throat> well, I'm going to open up my inventory. And then I'm going to realize, oh, no, Ness, Ness doesn't have it. I got to go over to Paula. So Ness <laughs> is going to defend. And oh. then I'm going to move over to Paula and find that jar of fly honey and use the fly honey. Ah. And then the rest of the fight is nothing because Master Belch immediately takes the fly honey from you and just spends the entire fight eating it. He is able to do some stuff while he's wolfing down fly honey, isn't he? No. He can get in some hits before you do that because I know I usually get poisoned right at the start of the fight. Oh, okay. And I don't always have a way of healing the poison. So sometimes it's like, well, I got to keep healing the person that got poisoned. Uh, but otherwise, no, it's a free fight. Hmm. It's a very, like, anti-climax. After... <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't feel that way to me. I don't I don't remember, like, the play-by-play. But in my mind, the fly honey makes it much, much easier, but not, like, a total cakewalk. Hmm. So that's strange. Why would I remember it that way? Sarah, which is it for you? Because I, oh, I definitely I, remember it yeah. being a cakewalk. I don't no remember if, the same there's, Master Belch. if there's stuff that he still does. 
<laughs> Either way, this well, is a like, puzzle of a battle. It is. Have you ever tried fighting him without using the fly honey? I don't think you can. Yeah. I don't think it's completable without it. I'm pretty sure really? you absolutely have like to Like he has use infinite it. HP? Yeah. I think that's true. My memory huh. says that's true. A guide I was reading said he's invincible, but the guide also has, like, people's names spelled wrong and stuff, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Wikibound. Okay. I, my intuition is that, like, he just has a bunch of other attacks that he can use otherwise, and so the fight is much, much harder. I'm not getting the information I'm looking for. Uh, I will say I'm looking at his sprite again, and it's a very detailed sprite. <laughs> In a way that's kind of nice. It's a great. It's a great design. It's wonderful. The aesthetics of the game are established in stark relief here, when you have the Mister Saturns juxtaposed with Master Belch. This is the heart and soul of the game on display. Mm. When you defeat Master Belch, he says, "Looks like it wasn't even fight." Burp. But Master Gygus has managed to get the Mani Mani statue into Forside. The city will soon be in worse condition than living in your own puke. Suffer, Spanky. Such a villain. Yeah, so the, the we mention that the Mani Mani statue is moving into Forside. Uh, in order to make the Mani Mani statue into this, like, recurring villain, the the plot thread that is moving this first half of the game along. Mm. Uh, but the fact that Master Gygus is, has managed to get the Mani Mani statue into Forside, he has agents that are moving the Mani Mani statue around. I don't think it's out of line to suggest that Pokey might be the one, that Pokey is already working for Gygus, and he's the one who got the Mani Mani statue from Carpenter and has now... I don't know by what means taking it to foresight. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, other things are possible. I, I, it would be fun to think of what else could be going on, but I don't know. And there's also the possibility that um, Pokey or whoever moved the Mani Mani statue wasn't consciously doing Gygus's will, but Gygus is like just... When you say managed to get the money, money mm -hmm. statue, I think about like Gygus is manipulating events subtly in order to make events happen that will cause the money, money statue. Like he is able to cause a a train derailment that means someone has to the money, money statue falls off the tracks and into the river and it floats down the river and then it gets uh, picked up by a fisherman who takes it home. His wife thinks it's ugly, so she throws it out, and it ends up in the the garbage truck. Uh, but then the rat pushes it out of the garbage truck while it's passing through Foreside, and it lands at the feet of Everdread, who is in Foreside. And he's like, finally, I got the Mani Mani statue. But then a bird grabs it out of his hands. That would oh, be an no. interesting be Flash Sideways game. game. Right? Yeah. Anyway, my, uh, uh, Master Belch disappears, never to be seen again. And uh, you get to exit the dungeon through the back. And 
see a couple of uh, Mr. Saturns who are happy to be set free. Yeah. And it turns out <laughs> this this cave exits and you're on the second, like, or the third tier of Saturn Valley. Like, <laughs> that's where the other side of the factory was all along. There was a back way in, and if only we had, could have gotten up here earlier, we could have just gone in through the back of the factory. But the ladder wasn't there. The or, ladder or like, wasn't there. Didn't go high enough. I forget. All kinds of ladders. This is high. This is obvious to everyone, but I guess we should say out loud that these Mr. Saturns who do not have arms uh, use ladders to connect everything in their town. That is a good point. It is hilarious. What a good game. <laughs> well, up here is a hot springs. Oh, yes. Uh, which now, you can use to clean yes. all the very nasty gunk off of you. So refreshing. Right. You know, like, I I honestly think the game doesn't do a good enough job of making you feel like, while you're in the factory, that the factory is disgusting. Because most of it looks very sterile. There are some puddles of what's it near the end. But, and like, you can understand after the fact that battling Master Belch must have been a disgusting experience. But... It's not until the game tells you here mm-hmm. that you washed all that gunk off your body that you come to understand that there was gunk all over your body. Yeah. But I think it's effective here. Mm-hmm. The to, thing is... To kind of put a bow they on They have everything. something mm-hmm. in the... They have the technology to show you waist or neck deep or hat deep in disgusting muck um that part that animation has been developed and that disgusting sound effect that we'll hear later is available to Mm. us but either because they want to save that for later or because they hadn't thought of it when they were developing this part you don't get that what i think would have been more effective if you had to like visually wade through disgusting crud as part of the dungeon Anyway, um, I have a question. Do you need to, like, what if you decide not to get in the hot springs? Oh, I don't know. I imagine that all that's happening here is that the first time you use the hot springs, you just get a different message. That's, That's probably all that's happening functionally under the hood. The thing is... I think there's a Mr. There's something in the text dump where it sounds like the Mr. Saturn is saying, no, you can't do that. You're too stinky. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Drink coffee before go. And then, uh, why, why, you know, go to hot springs, boo boos. Hmm. I, I, I think that like, I, I never have the, uh, the heart to go on with the game without cleaning myself off so i can't i have no idea what happens but i think there's someone who says you really need to wash off before you something i don't know if it's Hmm. like a plot critical event of getting further in the game or if it's um just the coffee break that happens right it might just be the coffee break i think 
Okay. I feel like I've seen that text of talking to that man first. All right. Then that makes sense. Um, yeah, well, there is a coffee break, but do we want to talk about that right now, or is this the end of the episode? I think we need to take a coffee break. 